everyone. This is George Crows with the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Glad you could join me again this week. Really excited to share some ideas with you. And hopefully um, you can share some ideas back with me. You can uh, connect with me at Twitter or Instagram at GCrows. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Uh, it's weird to talk into a mic and just talk in an empty room and nobody talks back to you. So I'm like always wondering if people are even listening to the podcast. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Please feel free to reach out, share um, any ideas you have on this podcast or any others that I've shared in the past. It'd be great to hear from you. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about um, these 10 core values for education. Now, right off the bat, I'm not saying the 10 core values that I'm going to share today should be the 10 core values for your school, for your classroom, for your district. This is actually based on something I read about the company Zappos that is known for shoes and just kind of some ideas off the top of my head on 10 core values that I, I would see at the time that are crucial to education and why they're important. And so what I can actually suggest is when you listen to this, do some of the values that I'm talking about align with some of the work that you're doing and in your own schools, classrooms, districts, what would those 10 core values be for yourself, for your team? And the process of actually discussing this, what what is essential to the work that we do is really crucial. And I think it's something that is a valuable conversation that we could have at all levels of what we do in education. But before I kind of get into these 10 core values, I'm just going to share a little bit, probably an embarrassing story, to be honest with you, about myself in uh, the early part of my teaching career. I remember actually walking into a classroom one day of a colleague, and I was actually quite upset. And the reason why I was upset was... I saw that students were eating and having drinks in their classroom. Not alcohol, obviously, but, you know, water, soda, whatever. And the reason it bothered me, and I I look back on this so different now, but the reason it bothered me at the time was there is an explicit rule for the school that there is to be no food or drink in the classroom. And I had followed this rule to the T. I had made sure that it was not something that was in my classroom because I didn't want to be the teacher that broke the rules, was you know subversive and doing bad things. I wanted to be someone that followed the rules. And so I actually shared with her how I was bothered by the fact and how it was actually making us look bad in the classrooms, um, in other classrooms, because we were making kids follow the rules and she was just doing what she felt uh, she should. And I remember the conversation and I said to her, like, why would you let these kids break the rule and eat in classroom? And really simply, she just said, because the kids are hungry and they can't learn when they're hungry. And the reason I'm embarrassed by this is at the moment, that was not my concern. The concern was she wasn't following the rule. I'm like, well, you're still breaking the rule. And now that I look back on that, how wrong I was at the time is that when you actually are doing something right by kids and it's breaking a rule, then maybe the rule is stupid. Maybe the rule that we're doing uh, is not really helpful to our kids. And that's how I think now. And and I I, I think about this quote because a lot of times I talk to educators and often they pull me aside you know they'll say something 
maybe that their superintendent, you know, their principal they want to hear, and they'll share something that they're doing that is really powerful for their students and is they see as extremely beneficial, but it's going against the rule and they're terrified of getting caught that they're doing something wrong. And this is something that I always say is that when the rule trumps common sense, the rule is stupid. And I think to me, why it bothers me that when we kind of hold on to these rules, why we kind of do this is because I know there's a lot of people like me at that time in my career who were not necessarily feeling, um, you know, I didn't have tenure at the time and I was nervous because, you know, it was like my first, second year at the school and I wasn't guaranteed a contract. And so I felt, okay, if I do not follow the rules, I can get in trouble. And a lot of people, they could be in their first year, they could be in their 10th, 20th, you know, 50th year, and they still follow the rules because they feel that's their way of being a team player. And then they'll actually do things that are in contradiction on what is helping kids. So I think that sometimes too many rules are actually um, cause issues that if we were following certain things, you know, like is saying things like this, there are to be no mobile devices in the classroom. Well, automatically you assume that no kid would benefit from a mobile device. Now, sometimes, you know, obviously there's things with mobile devices that might cause issues and conversations, but I'd rather leave that up to the discretion of the teachers who I'm expecting to know the kids in front of them and what would actually help them best. And so if you took some of those rules and we got rid of them and you kind of focused on this idea of do what you can to support the growth and success of your students. If we follow that, what would that look like in the classroom? What would it look like in our schools? And that would actually help us do what's right for kids, not necessarily follow, you know, a, a, a rule. And like I said earlier, I'm not the guy who has, has always been the ask forgiveness later and not permission. Now I want to please my boss. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. But I think when you, Go back to that idea of do what you can to support the growth and success of your students. You still can actually do um, what is right by your policies, but you also will do more importantly what's right by the kids that you serve in front of you. And I started thinking about this. I, I actually read um, this article discussing uh, Zappos core values. And I, I read this and this is from the Zappos site and I'll just read it to you quickly. At Zappos, our 10 core values are more than just words. They're a way of life. We know that companies with a strong culture and a higher purpose perform better in the long run. As we continue to grow, we strive to ensure that our culture remains alive and well. Check out our oath of employment, which we use not to only highlight our values, but commit to them both as Zappos employees and as a business. So number one is they deliver wow through service. Two, they embrace and drive change. Three, create fun and a little weirdness. Four, be adventurous, creative, and open-minded. Five, pursue growth and learning. Six, build open and honest relationships with communication. Seven, build a positive team and family spirit. Eight, do more with less. Nine, be passionate and determined. And ten, be humble. I, I thought it was really interesting, right? Because you put people in a situation where the policies are actually lent to them to be become successful. And that's what Zappos did through these 10 core values. So I started taking these 10 core values and I, I kind of just 
made some changes, some tweaks in how they could actually focus on education. And as I said at the top of the podcast, this is not about these are the 10 core values and they should be implemented everywhere. It is about this is what I saw at the time and this is what I thought would be essential to what I saw as the 10 core values. But it would be a really powerful exercise um, for you as a school and a staff to talk about what are your 10 core values? What are the things that we do to make sure that people succeed? And so I'll talk about each one and, and, and what I saw. And the first one is do what you can to support the growth and success of your students, which I mentioned before. Number two, grow and learn in a way that you'd expect from the students in your classroom. So I think that, that uh, I've talked about this before, having, you know, uh, uh, learning guidelines for professional learning days, if you simply went with grow and learn in a way that you'd expect from the students in your classroom, what would that look like? And what would we expect from our kids? And do we actually live up to those things, you know, in how we do professional learning? Number three, push your colleagues to grow along with you, but support, collaborate and empower them on their path. So the idea here is that we all work together as a team, but we push each other as well. And I think that when you build trust with one another, when you build relationships, the whole idea behind it is we want people to know that we will help them to get better. We'll give thoughtful feedback when we can. But the other part of this too is that they know we got each other's back. And I think that's a really important aspect of of that core value. Four, over-communication is better than under-communication. Especially when you're trying something new, I think that is a really important thing. Um, sharing ideas, a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, you know, I didn't know this was going on in my school, et cetera, et cetera. And I think defaulting to over-communication can be really powerful and can really ensure that we don't, um, it's a proactive approach to what we do in education. Five, take care of yourself so that you can better support others. This one is so important to me, the idea of how we actually um, do self-care and we don't make it everything about uh, school. And I've, I've said this before, is that we are getting into this time in our culture and society that we're not actually valuing hard work as much as we are valuing being workaholics. And there is a very big difference between the two. And so... Um, I'll repeat this one again, take care of yourself so you can better support others. Understand it is not simply the role of the individual to take care of themselves. It is part of it, but ensure that, you know, at a school and district level, we do not create initiatives that actually cause, you know, um, we always will have stress in our work, obviously, but, you know, do not cause overstress for lack of a better term. Uh, six, find joy in your work. If we in education who work with kids every single day and, you know, work with other people who work with kids, if we cannot find that excitement, we maybe are in the wrong profession. I think that we have to, and again, this is not only on the individual. Do we actually find that joy in the work that we do? Um, do we create that, you know, at the school and district level as well? Seven, take the work seriously, but never take yourself too seriously. I think for me, uh, I, I try to embody this and uh, like I, I want to share good ideas in education, but I also want to have fun. Um, life is short. We need to do that. And we spend a lot of time at work. It is so important that we are able to share a laugh and find, as I said earlier, find joy in what we do. Eight is share your passion with others so we can help students find their passion. 
I think when we talk about our passions that go outside education, what is actually powerful about this process is the idea that people know that education is one part of who we are, but there are other things that we love. And it makes us, especially to our kids, they see us as a whole person, that it's not just about teaching and learning, but there's other things that we love. Nine, find and develop strengths and talents first of your students and colleagues always start in the positive. It is so much easier when we look at people's strengths, what they can do as opposed to what they can do, can't do, because it helps us to ensure that people um, feel valued. And I've talked about this in podcasts before, not just valuing them, but people feel valued. And I think a lot of times it is easy um, in education to kind of work from this deficit model of, you know, things we need to improve, things we need to get better. But I think what we need to start doing more and more is focus on what are we really good at, why, and how does that actually help us in areas we need to grow. And then 10, as I just mentioned, don't just value people, but also ensure people know they're valued. That is very crucial to the work of the work of what we do in education. So here's what I'm going to challenge for you to do this week. Um, think of these 10 core values, what applies, maybe what do you disagree with? What do you see as powerful? And think about this in the context of your work, whether you're a teacher in the classroom, and this is something you could actually do with your students, talk about what would our, our classroom core values be, like what actually does. And I think that's, you know, when we're doing rules versus core values, I think core values are so much more powerful um, to what we can do because it shows us like what we want to be and what we do as opposed to what we shouldn't do. Or, you know, at the, at school or district level, can you discuss these 10 core values with your staff and what they mean to you? What would they be? And how do they put us, put us in a position to ensure success at all levels of the work that we do and that we're always doing right by the people that we actually serve? So I hope that you got something from this, you know, even kind of going over this post again, this is a, from an old post I wrote in 2018, has really made me really rethink some of the stuff that I do. So I hope you found some value. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I know you're incredibly busy if you're in education and I just want to let you know how much I value that you would spend some of your time with me during your week. I hope you have an incredible week. Thank you again for all you do. Take Just me, myself, and